Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, have you ever met a person who experienced a tragedy or maybe you have experienced trauma yourself, like losing a home in the floods or fire, which I tell you what, there's been so much of that lately with all the floods and fires a couple of years ago. It's crazy. Maybe you've endured the death of a child or had a severe illness or experienced abuse. Why is it that some people seem happy, content, even truly content, and not in a way that suggests that they were burying their feelings or minimising their pain after having experienced tragedy or trauma? So experiencing positive transformation after trauma is actually known as post-traumatic growth. It has a name. People who've gone down the post-traumatic growth journey may have experienced a new appreciation for life or found personal strength, have seen an improvement in their relationships or possibilities in life, or may have undergone spiritual changes. Why is it some people experience such profound positive changes after enduring something so terrible and yet other people don't? When I have a question, about life, about people, about emotions and experiences and trauma, what have you, the person I turn to is Kaz Amos. Hey, Kazzy. Your favourite provisional (laughs) psychologist of the moment. My favourite provisional (laughs) psychologist of the moment. So if you have listened to Hey Soul Sister before, you would have heard Kaz before here. Kaz has been a counsellor for 25 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then before deciding to go back to uni to get your psychology degree with honours mm-hmm. and now you're in the process of doing your two years. Yeah, my internship as a as a baby psychologist. Baby psychologist. Although someone did ask me the other day, do babies have psychologists? I said, no, like I'm a junior psychologist in the making. Is it weird given that you have been counselling for 25 years, counselling people, and then it's like going back to being the baby psychologist, provisional psychologist. I think the change from becoming or moving into psychology is that I've got a lot more resources at my fingertips that I didn't have as a counsellor. So that's a big change and I'm really enjoying that part of it too, to be able to offer my clients more in that sense. So, yeah. 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 Well, I'm really glad that you're here in the studio again today because I'm so keen to talk about this, the post-traumatic growth and the, the journey to healing And because I've been through a bit of that myself and I know, and it's interesting, I suppose I see it got you back sister, which is the charity that I run that helps women who have experienced domestic violence, you know, they've experienced horrendous trauma. And and so I go, I get really curious. Why is it that some people go through that growth journey, the healing journey and others get really stuck? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've seen both of those people types of people move through Got Your Back Sister over the years that uh, it's been running. Absolutely, because of course, if you know Kaz and you've listened to Hey Soul Sister, <laughs> you would know that Kazzy has been working with Got Your Back Sister and the women that we serve, that we helped there for a number of years before moving on to your next professional phase in life. So of course, you've had a lot of experience of working with people who've lived trauma, with through mm, trauma. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, I'm a human. We've all had our own traumas, big ones, little ones that have propelled us to where we are right now. So, yeah. And I also have in the studio today, I've got my baby sister. Sissy. <laughs> my little baby, my baby sister, Kate. And I asked Kate, Kate happened to be visiting in Newcastle. Kate lives in Byron, but was visiting uh, Newcastle. And I asked Kate to come along and be part of this episode because she 
experienced trauma as a child and some abuse as a child and I asked her to come along and share some of that, so a bit of that story, but also the post-traumatic growth journey that she went through. But we'll get back to that a little bit later. But great to have you on, Sissy. It's lovely to be here. So, what are, yeah, what are, what are some, some of the common traumas or reasons that people would come to see you? I would say that primarily we would see people with relationship trauma so and change. I, I guess, you know, if, that was, if there was one word, it would be that something changed. So something in my life is different than it was before. And in terms of trauma, often that change didn't happen with your permission. You didn't ask for it. You didn't invite it. You didn't initiate it. It happened to you. And the lack of control and, you know, if I have a car accident, for instance, there's a trauma that you didn't ask for it to happen, but you are left with trauma you know, no, no question. A birth trauma is also another fairly common one that we deal with is, uh, you know, women who have experienced very, very traumatic births. So yeah, you might be saying, yes, I'm happy to have a baby. Didn't know it was all going to go like that. So yeah, and families, family, the way families treat one another can be very traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny, I guess that we, you know, see through stories and storybooks and social media and actually out in traditional media, the, the image of the perfect family. And, and I think sometimes we, you know, I have this saying, I say to people, you know, every family is dysfunctional in some way. Oh yeah. We, <laughs> we, we all have our dysfunctions. We just try to manage them, I think, and heal and cope with them as best we can. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before is that there's like the big T traumas and then the little T traumas. Yeah. So big T, as you can imagine, would be something that stays with you and can often be, you could be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And that is when your mind perceives an experience, the body also records that and those feelings do not leave you after the experience is over. So you can be triggered, you can be feeling like you're in that place at a moment in time when you're not really there and the the event has passed. Yeah. And of course, there are things like a parent losing a child, people experiencing cancer or, or a, a life-threatening illness, or somebody in their family experiencing illness, divorce. Oh, of course. Yes. Again, things that you don't choose. Yeah. You, you don't put that on your to-do list for the day. That, that's not where I'm going today. And those things do. They, they happen. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. I would say in my life, probably the two biggest traumas that I've experienced were divorce. That was, trauma, that was a traumatic experience going through that. And also having breast cancer. But... It's interesting. I'm just going to share this, right? People who know me or who listen to Hey Soul Sister know I talk all the time about my mindfulness guru, Charlotta, who I go to when I'm trying to process, you know, stuff that might be going on for me, worries that I might have or, or and that sort of thing. And I um, went and I was having a session with her the other day and we were just chatting and she was trying to get to the, the cause of what was, you know, what was a deep-seated trauma that I had experienced. And it, and this is, so this seems like such a not a big deal when I say it, but I'll tell you what, when we were doing, we were doing some big voice integrative, big mind 
therapy and I, and and I realized I had this moment of being a girl a little girl in the playground maybe about 8 years old and being picked on by the other girls and really ostracized and you know I ended up you know kind of walking away from this group of girls I was really upset and went and sat somewhere on my own in the schoolyard and had a cry and I didn't realize that that which I would see is probably a bit of a, a small T, a little T moment. I don't know. But, you know, something that you think people experience that all the time, right? But I was like, oh, my God, that is impacting me as a 40-odd something woman <laughs> years later. And I was like, oh, my God. I did not realize that, that you know, I cried when I was having this session with Charlotte and she said that just shows that it's actually a really deep wound there. I think that's a great example of what we might think is little, but it sticks with you and you carry it all the time. And it just takes maybe a series of incidents that domino and touch that spot in you. Yeah. And if you weren't aware and you didn't have somebody to share it with, you still keep carrying it. Yeah. And it doesn't take much for somebody, I suppose when we wear our traumas on us, it doesn't take much for somebody to accidentally bump into them and and we blame or we get angry or we we are essentially re-triggered again and our heart rate will go up and our maybe our vision might fog a little or we get the shakes. Things physically tell us this is a threat to me and I'm afraid or I'm scared or I'm feeling hurt, left out, isolated. Mm. And it's as humans, our best thing is connection and anything that gets between that can be traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're tribal creatures. Yeah, we're meant to be together. Yeah, historically we're tribal creatures. So all of a sudden being a little eight-year-old girl in the playground and being ostracised from that tribe, you know, that was that, that caused a deep-seated wound because, yeah, we are social creatures and we're meant to be part of community. Yeah, and connection makes our brain bright and light and think and, and without that connection then we start to, like our mental health starts to decline in small ways. But, yeah, just knowing that, you know, I'm feeling upset right now and tracking it back. Yeah. Yeah, it existed. It happened and I still feel it. So, my friend, what exactly is post-traumatic growth? So it is the wisdom that you receive beyond that traumatic event. So in your story, for instance, Was there wisdom that came out of it for you? Well, when I had my breast cancer, so that was, I had 12 months of treatment, had breast cancer surgery and then had chemotherapy for six months. And during that time also had six weeks of radiation treatment. And I remember being really, really ill at home in between chemotherapy sessions and lying on the floor and thinking, when I get through this, I want to have better relationships with with people and especially my stepchildren. I mean, our relationship was okay, but I wanted it to be deeper. And I remember thinking, I want to worry less and enjoy life more because I'd always been a real worrier. And I remember lying there and saying those things to myself, when I get through this, this is how I want my life to be. Yeah. So that is the growth. Yeah. And and making that happen. Yeah. That's where the the, I guess that wisdom gets applied. It becomes part of who you are now, not you are not the the story that you were before. Yeah. And I but I remember having this real sense that I wanted my life to be better and I wanted my life to mean something, you know, and I had that real vision. And you know, probably not too dissimilar to it's funny when I divorced 
my first husband and I remember sitting there going, you know what? I want my life to be this way. I had that real vision of going, I want my life to be better. I would like to have a partner again one day and I want them to be like this. You know, I want to have this type of job. I was, you know, I used to sit there and go, I want more and I want, I want more and I want better for myself. So yeah, I don't know. And I guess is that, is that common? That's what you, I guess, maybe to, to go on that journey. It's like, you want more for your life. Well, it's also, it's looking back at that experience and saying, this is what I was lacking yeah. or this is the, what I missed out on. And I can appreciate and not stay in that painful place and be in that pain and take that as a part of who I am and offer that because really that's what we're doing in relationships. We're offering ourselves to someone else. So if we're offering ourselves healed, sounds like part of what you did in, in saying I want to have closer relationships with my family, that will help me to feel healed. Yeah because I wasn't entirely healed before that. So we take that healing and then that's who we show up as. Yeah. It's so funny. I, when I think about going through the divorce and, and that was a really tough time, I actually reflect back now and I go, wow, I feel so much stronger as a person because even though that was a really tough time and I felt actually, to be honest, I felt really alone. I felt quite unsupported by some people in my life. And I look back and I go, that did make me stronger because I was forced to dig deep emotionally, but I was forced practically, I had to go out and borrow money from the bank to pay for a week's rent or and a bond to get into a place. I had to find a way to find a new place for me and my son. Like, and so I go, oh, actually, I feel pretty proud of that now. Yeah. I, I, I did all that and it made me stronger. Well, personal strength is one of those factors that are part of po- post-traumatic growth. Which actually I was reading... Um, and listening to a podcast about post-traumatic growth. And so there are five factors. Yes. Yeah. Appreciation. Yep. So being grateful, which if you're the person who is in the middle of a traumatic situation, I bet the last thing you think about is saying thank you to that person or that circumstance for the growth that you're about to receive. (laughs) That is not the grace that you're saying at the table. But it is something that will come naturally in time that you can thank that experience for being in your life because you have healed from it. So, yeah, appreciation, improved relationships, connection, which is exactly what you were talking about, new possibilities. I was listening to a podcast this morning earlier as well, and the person who was speaking was talking about having old problems with new possibilities as the answer not just a solution but a new possibility like oh so what's possible from here that kind of I wrote it on my chalkboard so (laughs) everyone in my family can see personal growth and personal strength and often spiritual change so that can often be reflected in what you believe to be true before the traumatic experience no longer serves you and you go on a spiritual journey to find out what does. Because we're often looking for purpose or meaning in the experiences that we have to make them relevant so that when we tell our story of who we are, we can make sense of all the pieces that if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be this person I am today. Those, those are the five factors. So there's appreciation, mm-hmm. gratitude. There is a desire for better, stronger relationships. Yeah. There is spiritual changes and even spiritual, not necessarily religious, 
but no, uh, awakening spiritually, awakening to your own consciousness or awareness of who you are and what your place is in the world and the universe. See, and yeah, and seeing new possibilities. Yeah, instead of old problems. Yeah, and what was the other one? Oh, personal strength. And personal strength. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. A personal strength is wonderful because it's that I did it. I did it. Yeah, I didn't wait for someone else to do it for me. It was me. Yeah. With the women that I see that come to Got Your Back Sister, women who've experienced domestic abuse, and often there's been a history of family abuse as well that they've experienced as a child. Um, You know, one of the things that we really want for them is that they can go through that healing journey, go through that post-traumatic growth journey, that they can see a better vision for their lives and that they can go and heal and and have those life changes so that they live a, a better happier, more fulfilling life. And I know it kind of breaks my heart because sadly I do see some women that get really stuck in the trauma. They get stuck in the story and you go, I see so much potential in to go, you could have this amazing life. We need to try and really support you to get through that, which is, I know what you would, you were doing at Got You Back, Sister Cassie was, was supporting those women. Well, it's hard, isn't it? When you're in pain to not be stuck because you know that nobody's going to change that pain for you. No one can undo what just happened. You cannot unsee what you saw. So to be able to reach out to somebody and if it's not you that's doing it, you might be alongside somebody else who's doing it and say, you know what, your pain is real. That really happened. And it can come with all sorts of things that get uncovered. But by that first acknowledgement that this happened to me or that's part of my experience and then being able to be supported in that, you're not alone. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So my beautiful little sister who I asked to come in today, I asked Katie you to come in because I wanted you, I guess, to share some of your story of trauma that you experienced as a little girl and the post-traumatic growth journey that you went on. So, but to start with, you just want to share a little bit of your story? Sure. Funny, I remember you asking me about a year ago and I remember not being ready saying nope. (laughs) And yeah, look, as a girl, I experienced some traumatic events at a ballet school and I was there for 10 years at this ballet school. One of the first incidents that happened was I was six years old and I had one of my ballet teachers all of a sudden just come and hit my arm and call me a stupid lazy little girl and I was only six and I looked up to this ballet teacher as an idol. I wanted to be like her. I thought she was beautiful, graceful, And that feeling I'll never forget of utter shock and then betrayal. And to this teacher, that would be nothing. That would be, that was a normalized teaching standard. And so I was at that ballet school, a very well-renowned ballet school for 10 years. And that was a normalized abuse. Yes. So. And so did you have other other experiences over those 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I remember once being kicked up the bottom three times and do you know what each time I don't know why like there's this thing of and you work so hard and so it's like I wasn't being lazy I was working really hard and 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 why and one of the the instant when I was um, being kicked up the bum three times boom 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 
I remember looking at the senior students. She, the principal of the school, did it in front of all the seniors and half of them ended up being in the Australian Ballet Company. And I was this little girl, I was eight. How did you feel? Oh, humiliated. So that that was a different. The first one was this betrayal. The second one was a humiliation and it was really unfair. So apparently what came out of that was she was cranky because my mum had just confided in another parent concerned about a teacher maybe being too harsh and this parent then went and told it was just quite a toxic environment told the principal and so the principal the way of dealing with that was to abuse me and to shame myself hoping I would go home and tell my mum so my mum would shut her mouth I don't even think I went home and told mum I was just so humiliated so those things just when you're when they happen to you so young there's many girls that had time at this ballet school. They, they started at nine or ten and their experience is entirely different to mine. They just saw her as a really harsh teacher but one that, you know, they can joke around about. But for me, um, I started there at four years old and I the fear and the terror I felt on a daily basis was intense. And, yeah. Which is sad because you go, you're actually meant to be doing something you love, which and, is dancing. And, and it, yeah. so that is the complex emotion. So this ballet teacher has recently passed away and today I was actually at her funeral and giving some funny context to why I'm here, you rang me after the funeral just to check in how I was and I just, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm good. It was really good to go and... Hey, do you want to come and do this podcast? <laughs> anyway, so it's very fitting that I'm here. Yeah, it was quite a quite an interesting day. And I suppose as your big sister, one of the things that I, I mean, I used to see how you became, as you grew, you became a really anxious child. I remember that about you being riddled with anxiety. There was a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, there was. And I think the narrative as well in my world, in our family household, was that I was going to be a ballerina. So there was that pressure as well. And training that hard is pressure in itself, let alone the fear-based abusive approaches, which that's what they were. And And I think it's really healthy to call it for what it was. So one of the things that I did notice about you, again, as your big sister, was you got to about, I guess it was 17 and 18, and all of a sudden you went down this whole woo-woo kind of like spiritual hippie path, which at the time I was like, what's going on? What's she doing? She dyed her hair black and she's doing crystals and tarot cards and Reiki. Yeah, so I, um, <laughs> the day Lady Diana died is the day I quit ballet. I was performing at the city of Sydney, Steadford. It was a $10,000 ballet competition it was a really big deal and I came off stage feeling just like deflated my by that stage of, of my second year full-time so I ended up going full-time with ballet at a different dance school yeah I ended up because of the 10 years of shaming fear you know that the words I heard were you're stupid you're lazy or you're and it was all those motivations to make you work hard they become ingrained in your head and so my relationship with myself was crap you know the self-hatred was really there so if I didn't do well there was no nurturing of the process there was no nurturing of hey you know what that wasn't your best performance but it's okay and so it was constant coming off stage self-hate and and I hated that I hated feeling so down in myself and so I quit the only way I could regain a sense of power was to quit ballet because that was my association with it and at that by that time I did have lovely teachers in my life for the last two years of that so that was do you want to give a shout out to that teacher oh yeah Marie Walton she's a lovely woman and all of her staff it's now the National College of Dance um they're all beautiful people 
And I'm very grateful I got to experience. And she would push us really hard, but she wasn't abusive. She wouldn't personalize it and name call. She was a really good example of how you can actually coach a student that wants to be elite at that level without shaming them without pulling them to shreds and she would often say to me Kate you just need more confidence and and I remember thinking but how do I get that like I don't even know how to get that and so it took me to quit and when I quit I did I went through I was diagnosed with panic disorder later on in therapy years later they said it was post-traumatic stress disorder but I would have panic attacks so I would have six a day it was it was quite quite bad. And so I think for me, my saving grace was I delved into spirituality and I, I got my um, therapeutic massage therapy certificate and reflexology and Reiki. And then I was at 17 years old, I was listening to Deepak Chopra and lots of Oprah Winfrey, Louise Hay, anything and everything, personal development. It was just like, it's the reason I'm here. You know, that was, and so I got, did have a lot of growth from that experience. Which is Sounds like the spiritual growth. Oh, well, it's seeking, isn't it? It's seeking. To understand. Yeah, and but also to come back to who you really mm. were as a, mm. before all of that, mm. a perfect little human being yeah. who loves to dance and express herself, who kind of had it squashed and beaten. Yeah. So sad. I feel really sad I, hearing I you talk here, about that. I'm here tearing up because yeah. I'm thinking I'm picturing like a little tiny little girl in a ballet yeah. kit just wants to be the best yeah. she can be mm. and and that's you know that's the sadness that comes with that kind of ongoing extensive experience you you lose you don't even hear your own voice anymore you hear the voice of the abuser yes. yeah yeah absolutely look I ended up going on so my part of my story was I suppose you could call it the success side of the story was I'm actually still in the industry. So I ended up moving to Byron Bay thanks to Marie Wiltman who who had that connection for me and started a dance school there. And so it's now 22 years later. So the biggest challenge for me was, well, what culture do I want for my school? How, how do I want students to feel? And the, and the biggest challenge was to be able to help cultivate talent without ripping kids to shreds you know yeah <laughs> and I mean actually that wasn't hard because it's it's not in me to do that but so I studied NLP neurolinguistic programming the Martini method and things like that to give me tools as a teacher and a leader to still work on my own healing journey but make sure that my leadership skills my languaging is well above what it should be you know um, a high standard so that students can be intrinsically motivated and not motivated through fear. Yeah, fear. Yeah, I thought fear too, yeah. Yeah. So, Cassie, if anybody, and Sissy, sorry, thank you for sharing that. I know that that's, (laughs) I know that that's been um, something you haven't publicly wanted to talk about for a long time. And so thank you for sharing that. And there might be some people that were listening that may have been through the same thing or similar experiences. There's lots of us. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. So, Kazzy, if people are listening and they've experienced trauma or tragedy and maybe they haven't started on that healing growth journey, post-traumatic growth journey, what's how can they start? What can they do? How, do, time, how do you start? It's time to reach out. It's time to check in with people you trust, find people you trust, you know, even hearing your journey, Kate, the people you trust were Deepak Chopra and Oprah. And you know what? That is a start. You start listening to what you need to hear in order to help you get well, because it's important to 
reach out from because you don't have the answers. You know, there comes a time where you can't find the answers within yourself and, and stop trying. It's okay. Give yourself a break. You're not perfect. You don't have everything and find the person. And if you don't know somebody, ask somebody who might know somebody. Actually, when I was listening to a YouTube video on post-traumatic growth, the doctor who was on there, and I believe he was the doctor that kind of did the academic identification of post-traumatic healing in the 90s, was Dr. Tedeschi, I think it was, Dr. Richard Tedeschi. Does that ring a bell? Uh, I should say yes. (laughs) But it's funny because that's one of the things that he said. He he said, for you to go on that journey, you need to find the right people, have the right people around you, the right support people around you. And I have to say it's really important to really acknowledge quickly who are not. I remember back in that phase I was with a little meditation group and I remember opening up to someone and they they said these words which were so triggering, quit the drama. And it was like, whoa. They had they hadn't experienced trauma. They had no idea what I had gone through, and that I kind of spiraled a little bit just from that comment. So, for me, if I could tell my younger self something, go straight to a trauma therapist actually, and go seek help by a professional. I didn't do that straight away. And as much as some of these spiritual groups are wonderful, they're not qualified in dealing with trauma. And so, I would definitely recommend that because you do need do need to handhold your handheld to go through it and get through it. Would you have called it trauma at the time or no. did you just know it felt bad? No, I I would not have called it trauma. And that's the thing, a lot of, and especially a lot of people in my world that in the ballet world minimise it, normalise it. This is just part of it. This is just what happens. And I was, yeah, really depressed with panic disorder. It was awful. And I just don't think people should have to go through that. No. And I think people become desensitised mm. in whatever their environment is to the traumatic thing. Yes. So if it's in family and the way maybe family work together or don't work together mm. very well, people will just say, oh, yeah, that's just how we speak to each other. Yeah. And that's not okay. It, doesn't, it didn't feel okay at the time. It doesn't feel okay when you think about it 30 or 40 years later. So, yeah, that's those little T's that you were talking about, but you compound them. Mm. That's a big T mm. at the end of years of that kind of treatment yeah so yeah you're finding the right people yes yes and trauma-informed practice or trauma-informed care yes is out there yeah what role does courage and resilience play i think that every time i've said to one of our ladies that got your back sister or even in my practice with work it's so courageous that you're here and it usually happens in the first when i was in private practice the first phone call always came to me And I would always end that call saying, I know that this is a hard call to make. This first phone call, it took you courage to do this. And the other person on the end would say, on the end of the phone would often say, oh, no, 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 Uh, I'm not courageous. No, because they haven't seen it yet. Yeah. They haven't necessarily felt like, you know, the lion on the Wizard of Oz who's suddenly (laughs) at the end of the movie, he's like, oh, yes, I've got all this courage, but... He took him all that whole journey before he was able to look back and then say, oh, that's courage. And resilience is the ability to get back up, keep going, rising and shining or getting out of bed and maybe not doing something instead of doing something. And can I add, sorry, medication. I went on medication for two years and I... I kept putting that off and as soon as I did that, those two years just helped stabilise me to really heal. And I know Nat Bassingthwaite 
she's a big advocate for for people that need to be on medication to stay on your medication and she's admitted that yeah she's on medication and that it's been great for her and so a two-year period worked for me I think that's a great Mm. tip because Mm. people are afraid exactly people are scared of what the media have Mm -hmm. projected or what society projects about people on medication but medication in the right context with the right support is a fantastic way to help you get well yeah yeah what happens if you bury the trauma that you've experienced? Tends to creep through the cracks. <laughs> Keeps creeps through the cracks. Well, it tends to work like a volcano. You know, it layers on and layers on and layers on. And not only do you have that first initial trauma, but then you might find you gather other ones that are like links in the chain to mm-hmm. the beginning of that trauma. And triggers never go away, but you can manage them. Would you say that for you, Kate? Yeah, I think so. Look, for me, so some of my behaviours when I realise I'm anxious, again, is people-pleasing and fawning and making sure everything in my outside world, making sure my family are happy. If they're happy, then I'm happy. And I'm really consciously now in my 40s putting my own mask on first. No, I'm looking after me first instead of fussing and making sure you know, being changeable based on my environment. And I feel like that was a survival mechanism in my childhood at this at this ballet school because what she taught us, the teacher taught me, speak for myself, was how to, how to read an environment, how to change who you are to please other people and to keep the peace. So my whole, even after I went on that healing journey, I was still only in my early 20s. I still had lots, it's, it's never ending. And so I feel like that's a big part for me is just to be aware of what I do when I'm triggered and and to be aware of a trigger. Yeah, that awareness of oh, this is what, mm. this is how I recognise that I'm in a fear state. Yep. And all those things you're describing are fear state things. Mm. Fawning is one of the things we do when we're in fight and flight. We don't necessarily have the control that we would like to yeah. because of the trauma. And, and, pe- and, pe- and people pleasing. Oh, people ple- Well, that's what fawning is. Fawning, yeah. fawning is avoiding confrontation through yeah. doing something. Yeah. So that's that thing you set everybody else up. Is it you right? Yeah. Are you right? Yeah. Are you right? And now I can be okay. Yeah. Rather than if I'm okay, then yeah. you know how to find your way to okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As a role model. Yeah. That's, and, and I don't know, as a teacher... And as a parent, I, you know, we're all a bit of both here. But, yeah, that's a great thing to remember. If I am okay, then everybody else knows. Because everybody's watching one another. That environment thing that you're talking about, mm. like monitoring your environment for where you feel safe and unsafe mm. and then changing it so it's safe mm. as a protective measure. Yeah. The answer is in that if you feel as if you need to protect yourself in a particular environment, it feels it's like a dangerous place or has a threat about it. Yeah. So maybe don't go there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe notice that mm. and find a way to wear your own protection before you enter in. Yeah. That must have been hard at a funeral today, knowing that... It was actually, I wanted my big sisters to go with me and then the day before, um, just due to circumstance, they, they couldn't come. So I went by myself, which was actually really empowering. And I sat there... I thought I would get emotional, I didn't. And I've got quite a few friends that refused to go to the funeral. And it, it, I suppose it showed me how I felt kind of proud of the work I've done, you know, and I wasn't, I also could sit there 
with gratitude, but also really good boundaries because there were also people there that were teachers at the studio that mm. I'm not okay with and that treatment is not okay and they're, they're not that much older than me, but I've also decided I don't want to make eye contact with those people. Can and I share something? Yeah, it's just sure. okay. And mm. Kate saw one of the teachers that abused her there and I was you, you from what the you one d- from when I was six yeah, yeah she saw the Stupid teacher that lazy abused girl. yeah and she hit you yeah yeah hmm. yeah and good on you yeah no and I yeah I just I didn't want to engage with her at all and 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 if it came about that there was a conversation I feel confident enough in myself to be honest and tell her how I feel yeah yeah that's, well, that sounds healed Mm. You know, like a wound that doesn't have any active spark. Yeah. What does Brene Brown say? She said, don't ever talk about something until you're over it. Like until you're actually, until you've moved through the issue and you've healed it, then you're ready to talk about it because then you can actually be of service to others. Yeah. Yeah, That's a beautiful thing to say. Yeah. Make it of service to others. That's why, that's why I'm talking. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why you're a dance teacher. Yeah. Because now you're of service to other six-year-olds and eight-year-olds and who all want to be their best dancing selves. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we'll finish this wonderful podcast. I'm so grateful to both of you for coming in and doing this episode. I think it's a really important one. And Katie, thank you for sharing. I know it's the first time that you've done that. Thanks for having me. And it's so beautiful to be on my sister's podcast. It's a real (laughs) honour. I love what you do. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Tizzy. And Kaz? It's a privilege to be in the room with the sisters, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And Kazzy, you're amazing. We just keep doing our stuff, don't we? Love listening to Kaz. Yes. And thanks so much, Kaz. Thanks for coming in. It was actually Kaz that suggested this topic and um, I think it's a really important one. And I guess if anybody has experienced trauma or tragedy and they're ready to go on that healing journey, reach out. Reach out. Do yeah. that for yourself and for everybody that loves you. Thank you so much, Soul Sisters. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.